Good morning. It's uh, getting to be about a uh, little less than a week from inauguration day with the new administration here in the United States. And um, I thought it might not be a bad idea to take a minute and just talk about a few things that I feel like we should be mindful and watching uh, in the days to come. Uh, this is, uh, I'm not speaking like I've got some special word from the Lord on this or anything, just um, just looking at the landscape as, you know, I try to do and many of you try to do and just try to get a good sense of what might be coming down the road and I thought it might be worth spending again a little time just to kind of discuss what some of those things might be. So. Uh, so here goes. You know, um, you know, in the in the in the past four years, we we've had uh, at least in, in America as believers um, something of a reprieve, I think, from uh, you know from a moral standpoint, in terms of or maybe more specifically from a policy standpoint. Um, we've had a president who's been very pro-Israel. We've had a president who's basically given voice to a lot of believers uh, in the country. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a stretch the imagination and always Trumper kind of a person but uh, but I do applaud uh, a number a lot of the policy decisions that he uh, that he made and, and they lined up well with a biblical worldview I felt like and so but that that time is now coming to an end and uh, we're gonna have an administration that um, again without trying to sound too overtly political necessarily um, but it's you know uh, it's, it's very clear that uh, that he and those who's uh, you know are kind of backing him and uh, the various elements of the Democratic Party uh, really take a perspective that is very, very different than, um, you know, than a good, solid biblical perspective. And so, um, so that being said, we should expect to see some changes coming. Uh, and just uh, uh, thought I would touch on the idea of, um, again, just a couple of ideas. One being that in, re- in relation to our uh, connection with Israel. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, one of the things I think we should watch for in the days to come is that I believe the Biden administration very quickly is going to uh, give in to a very emboldened Iran in regard to uh, rejoining either the original or some version of, um, you know, sort of the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, I, I, I think it's very possible that whether it's pallets of cash or whether it's just... Uh, um, support of one kind or another, I think that we are going to begin to reconnect with Iran in that regard. They've become very emboldened, uh, even very recently, in the knowledge that a new administration is coming. Um, they're, they're not going to find the kind of resistance they did under a Trump administration, and so uh, they are starting to, um, again, become emboldened by that, and I think that uh, uh, the new administration is probably going to seek to um, kind of bolster that relationship again. The problem with that is that... Um, they are uh, Iran, that is, the leadership in Iran. Uh, and I want to be careful to kind of emphasize that, you know, typically it's the leadership in Iran. It may not always be the people in Iran necessarily. Um, but the leadership in Iran uh, is very much still looking to destroy Israel. And uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of effort to see that for yourself if you think that's maybe a bit of a charged statement to make. I would suggest that that you know that's always been part of their mandate, and uh, and that's that's going to resurface again in some pretty dramatic ways, I think. Uh, and from an American perspective, I think that uh, that is going to have a forked uh, impact. I think on the one hand, because we will back away a bit from Israel, 
uh, Israel will find itself standing more and more alone, which will embolden it um, uh, to take measures that it sees uh, as necessary for its survival. It won't necessarily have America to count on uh, to come alongside of her like we did for the last four years. I hope I'm wrong about that. You know, both, uh, um, you know, uh, primarily I should say from a, a biblical standpoint, you know, uh, I believe that, you know, part of the reason that in many respects we've experienced a lot of blessing uh, over the last four years has been, again, a renewed commitment to standing with Israel. Uh, as God, all the way back in Abraham, uh, with Abraham, told him, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. And so I think we've seen some real benefit just uh, by virtue of God honoring to do that. And so, um, but I think that's coming to an end. I think we need to watch how that plays out. And uh, uh, from a, a, a prophetic standpoint, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking uh, about the Great Reset coming up and all the various elements that will surround that um, in terms of global governance. Well, one of the precursors to that, I still believe, is the scenario in Ezekiel 38 and 39. I think that that scenario is separate from Daniel's 70th week and prior to it, and I think in some respects will likely go a long way to precipitating Daniel's 70th week. I think the uh, local exchange and war that will take place in the Middle East uh, will have elements involved in it, possibly even nuclear elements in it. Certainly, uh, um, it's pretty well known that Israel is a nuclear power in the Middle East. And if Iran, ultimately, with our aid maybe, uh, also becomes a nuclear power, um, then it becomes all the more, uh, uh, it becomes easier to see how that may in fact be what's in view in the description of that battle in Ezekiel 38, some of the cleanup that's described in Ezekiel 39. So uh, I, I believe that scenario is still prior to Daniel's 70th week, in other words, prior to Antichrist's arrival on the scene, prior to the covenant with Israel, prior to uh, the events that will uh, precipitate throughout that week, and in specific, the second half on. And so, uh, um, so that being said, I would watch uh, the events that take place in the Middle East around Israel. Uh, I think she will become uh, a much more dramatic focal point, um, you know, uh, in the days ahead, in the very soon days ahead. Um, so keep an eye on that kind of thing. Uh, speaking of the Great Reset, the Davos meeting is coming up, so we'll want to be watching how that unfolds. Uh, I recently received emails with links on how to follow the uh, meetings and events and stuff that's going on with that. I thought they had bumped that meeting to June, but the uh, emails from uh, um, the WF that I've been, that I've gotten have talked about it more immediately. And so I think it may still be online uh, for virtual viewing um, uh, next week, I believe it's the 21st, I think it starts. And so um, you'll want to watch that. If you don't have access to that information now, if you've not made it a habit to go on the World Economic Forum's website, to uh, look at their plan for global reset and uh, the various uh, uh, arms and spokes of the wheel that, that ultimately describe that, you can go to their website and see that. Um, so I encourage you to check that out and become more and more familiar with that. Uh, if you have not already read Klaus Schwab's uh, uh, COVID-19, The Great Reset and The Fourth Industrial Revolution, I would uh, recommend reading those and becoming familiar with the mindset behind um, some of the things that they would like to start with this meeting. Uh, the, the Davos uh, uh, meeting is intended to be a launching point for the Great Reset. And so uh, unless they have changed their agenda around a little bit, um, uh, which I don't think they have, I think uh, they've made it known uh, both explicitly and implicitly that um, sort of the American mindset 
and approach to capitalism and things like that are a, uh, a, a, a roadblock to the Great Reset beginning to take shape and beginning to be implemented. So under a new administration, I think that they will not find uh, the roadblock there anymore. I think that uh, very possibly we will fall very much in line with those plans and purposes. So I think we want to watch those things. Again, I'm not saying that I know exactly how that will play out, um, but, uh, but I would say that these are things we want to watch and be mindful of. Uh, another thing that I would point out uh, is that in America, I think we will continue to see growing censorship. I think that for churches, and if I can speak maybe just to the, the church's place in this, um, we have, uh, over the last four years, again, as believers, had it kind of easy. And I think that uh, in the days ahead, that's going to change. I think we're going to find some pretty tremendous opposition uh, to being able to just speak about gospel truth. I think that uh, some of the, the medium through which we communicate these things, as we've already begun to see, uh, have become uh, closed off a little bit more and a little bit more, and I think that will only continue. Um, so I think that uh, in some ways that's going to make life more challenging for us, but let me connect with that something else that I, I do firmly believe uh, and that I feel like uh, I can say with, with greater confidence of knowing how this may uh, impact uh, more so than I might be able to speak about some of the other points. Uh, I do think that in spite of what I think from a moral standpoint is going to be uh, an upcoming era of real uh, immorality, uh, real challenge to uh, gospel, uh, the gospel going out and for having a positive moral impact on our country. What I do think is going to happen uh, along with that is that I think believers are going to have their eyes put right back where they should have been all along. Uh, under Trump, I think there's been a blurring of the lines about where our hope really lies. Uh, I think uh, under the past four years, we have very mistakenly felt that our hope really is coming from a particular elected official, from our president, and from Washington, and from Congress, and if we can just win the House and the Senate and the White House, well, we've lost all those things, and with that loss, a lot of believers feel like all hope is lost. Well, let me suggest to you that it is under hard times that the church has most often flourished. History has shown this time and time again. Uh, when communism uh, put down the churches in, uh, in Russia, in China, and other places around the world, uh, the underground churches that formed and grew uh, in the midst of that was, explo it was explosive, it was dynamic. Missionaries would go to these places once any opportunity aro arose for them to do so, and they found flourishing, uh, a flourishing church underground. So I don't know that we'll necessarily go underground or not in America, but I do think that, that difficulties and hardship and even persecution, flat-out persecution, goes a long way in helping the body of Christ to get stronger and rely on the Lord all the more firmly. And that, frankly, is a good thing. And, uh, and if the Lord sees that that's what we need right now, then we shouldn't fight it. We should embrace it uh, and, and uh, really just allow our first love to be our only love. Um, so, um, these are things that I think we should be watching for and looking ahead toward. Uh, again, in the Middle East, I think we need to be paying attention uh, to Iran, also to Russia, by the way. Um, you know, uh, Gog, Magog are prominent, uh, obviously, leading uh, the charge against Israel uh, in, uh, in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Um, and so, that, that speaks of Russia and her leader. And so, I would be watching. 
you know, how that, uh, how those relationships uh, and how the interactions take place uh, without America as a stopgap. Um, you know, we think about Iran again being emboldened. Uh, North Korea, as an aside, has come out and said that uh, America is their number one enemy now. You know, so it's it's a it's a very different world that's upon us, and uh, I'm not trying to sound like a drama queen. I'm not trying to be overdramatic about things, but I do think we want to be aware that things are not going to just roll along like they have. I think uh, uh, different perspective and worldview, governing philosophy, um, these changes are not going to be innocuous. I think they are going to be felt nationwide. And on top of that, um, you're also going to see changes in regard to uh, just the way we live life here in America. I think, uh, I think it's very possible, and this has been discussed for a long time, and I think we're going to see it come to pass. Again, I'm not trying to speak like uh, prophetically, but I, I, I don't think there's going to be much stopping something like 501c3s being taken away from churches. Now, we're a small church. I don't think that's going to affect us that much. But for some of the larger churches, I think that could be a potential problem. And uh, but I think we're going to have to get used to living in a in a world where uh, where our voices are censored a bit. Um, I'm realizing now as I'm talking about this, I've got friends that have had uh, some of their videos taken off of YouTube or off of Facebook um, because they've mentioned things like the WF and uh, WEF and those kinds of things. And so it's very possible that we might see more of that happen, including a video like this one. I don't know. I, uh, I hope not. I mean, I want us to be able to communicate openly. I, I think that freedom of speech, uh, even when you don't agree with what someone is saying, I think that uh, freedom of speech is essential in a free society, but that is being threatened very openly and overtly right now by some of our larger media and tech companies. And so um, I, uh, you know, if, uh, if, if Jack Dorsey is to be believed, uh, he recently went on to talk about how uh, even bigger kinds of censorship are going to follow uh, what happened with censoring the president and that. So, um, you know, I, I'll take him at his word. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's something that we shouldn't uh, pretend isn't a real thing. So that being said, um, one of the things that I hope will change, and I think in concert with something that I think will change, again, in regard to the body of Christ, uh, turning our focus and our gaze upon Jesus again and not you know, realizing the frailty of putting our hope in anything less than Christ, uh, I think is a wake-up call that is necessary and, uh, and, uh, and upon us. So in concert with that, one of the changes that I hope will happen is that as believers, we will get on our faces before the Lord and we will seek Him and we will pray and we will call out to Him, not just so that we can uh, sort of come back to a place of ease of comfort and that sort of thing in, uh, in our daily lives, but for the overarching uh, purposes and plans of God to be fulfilled. Uh, I know I sound like I'm uh, just a broken record, but uh, when we seek for His kingdom to come and will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, that is, a, that is a request for radical change to take place where, um, where you know, we, we're asking God to bring the kingdoms of this world uh, into a position of being the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, uh, which means as believers, we need to really believe that's coming. We need to accept what the scriptures have to say about that and be thankful about it and look forward to it and call out to the Lord about it. Um, you know, Jesus told his disciples to pray that way, uh, which means we know that we're in the will of God when we ask for this. 
but that also, you know, the hesitancy to pray those things comes from a sense of comfort that we experience in this life. We like what we've got going on. Well, I, I wonder if the reason why so many things are getting rattled and shaken right now is because God wants us to recognize that the point is not to want the things of this life, not to be so enamored by them that, uh, that we lose sight of the fact that God has something greater, better, and eternal in mind that believers are supposed to be resonating with and longing for. Uh, and so, you know, it's, uh, it is true that we live here. Jesus did not, as I often say, very unfortunately in my opinion, pray that uh, the Father would take us out of the world, but rather that he would just simply protect us in the world. Uh, I do wish that Jesus had prayed that the Father would take us out. Uh, I would love to have come to Jesus and been gone immediately thereafter. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus, knowing full well that the world is under the sway of the wicked one, ask the Father to watch over us while we're here so that we can be about the work until he comes, until in his time he snatches us away and then soon thereafter uh, uh, Jesus comes to establish his kingdom. But there is a worldview and a mindset that as believers we want to embrace as we look at the world around us. And let me add this here and as I kind of start to maybe bring this to a close. Um, when we look at the world around us Many of us will be filled with fear. Uh, hope will seem to run away. Uh, we may feel as though everything is collapsing and where is the Lord? I mean, this seems like everything's just in a total state of disarray and where is God? Well, we want to be students of Scripture so that we come to recognize more and more that what we see around us is not in any way outside of the purview of what Scripture has described. Uh, the Bible tells us, Jesus says things like, Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he returns? Uh, we hope and pray for revival, but the Bible does not speak about a revival prior to Jesus coming in the rapture. Although there is, after the church is gone, during the times that Revelation describes, there are the Jewish evangelists, the 144,000 from the 12 tribes that go and they share the gospel and people will come to faith during that time. Uh, but that is the only thing resembling a revival in the last days that is really given to us. And so, um, so that being said, we have to be ready for difficult times to come. And we can't let inconvenience uh, overwhelm us. Inconvenience is just something that most Christians have, ex uh, most Christians have experienced far more than inconvenience throughout their entire uh, life throughout history in various parts of the world. We in America are an exception to that in many regard, in many ways, but we must adopt a mindset where we no longer see ourselves as the exception to that. Paul said to Timothy that all who seek to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We by and large do not in America, and I don't wish for it, but I think we need to adopt a mindset where we recognize that the Word of God is true, and it's true when it says things like that. Uh, because I think when we are prepared that way, when our hearts and minds are truly engaged and we recognize like, okay, it's time to hunker down. We know where we are prophetically on the timetable of things. We need to be mindful about the days in which we live so that we might respond to them accordingly. When we do that and the things come upon us, we're not caught off guard. We're not foolishly challenging God's goodness and righteousness but instead we're recognizing that these things are coming together as God has said they would. And we're in the thick of some of this, and that's because God wants us to be here as a testimony for him in these days. So um, just not try not to be rambling about it, but these are just some things that have been weighing on my heart a lot lately. 
Uh, and certainly as we move into the days right up to a new administration, and again, not trying to sound overdramatic, but I really do expect things to be very different. And uh, I hope I'm wrong, but um, I have a feeling I'm not. And so we'll find out in the days ahead. But let's be praying for each other. Let's be digging into the Word. Let's be drawing close to the Lord, not just knowing about Him, but knowing Him. Uh, as I've often uh, quoted a, a good friend of mine from church, uh, is a wonderful gift of writing lyrics and poetry and such and she used this great expression that uh, that just sticks in my mind and just seems more pertinent than ever press in and press on and uh, let me encourage you with that God is in control he's on the throne that will never change regardless of the circumstances we need to remember that all these things are in his grip they're in his grip and so are you and so am I so God bless you in the days ahead. We'll continue to just go through the Word together. We'll talk about these things in the days ahead. Uh, let me also encourage you not to get uh, worked up about every single thing you hear, but to measure all things through the Word of God, um, to draw close to Him so that you can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding, that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Uh, and that to remember that whatever happens in your life, God has an intention and a purpose for it, that he might be glorified and that you might be learning, that you and I might learn more and more to be strengthened by him and by him alone. So I'm going to stop right there. But Father, we just thank you and praise you for your love for us, your goodness and grace toward us. And Father, we're going to need to remember this and lean on this and hold on to these truths. The idea that you are gracious, that you're good, that you're working out your purpose and purposes and plans in the way that you have ordained from before time began. And even though things may look difficult and hard for us uh, in the days ahead, we know that the time is coming when Jesus will snatch us away. And so, Father, before the time comes when you bring judgment upon the world, we know we'll be home. But in the times that lead up to that, we want to acknowledge that it might be difficult and that we need to just press in and press on. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you and ask you to watch over us, hold us in your mighty right hand, and give us the confidence to trust you, come what may. We love you and thank you. And, Father, we also pray for the leaders that are coming in. I shouldn't forget to do that. And we pray for President-elect Biden when he becomes president, Father. We just pray that you would change his heart and draw him into a place of knowing you, uh, and leaving behind so many of the things that uh, um, that he and his administration seem uh, prepared to do that would stand against what you have said is right and good. Uh, I just pray that, Father, you would uh, save him, and that, Father, you would save those that are around him, and that, Father, they would seek your righteousness and not just what is expedient. Father, what man desires is so often uh, so opposed to you and so completely askew. But Father, we just pray that you would change their hearts and they would seek after you and do what is right. Because righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So help us from our leadership. Uh, help us from uh, those of us who are just the citizens of this country and people around the world who are believers, who are under despotic leaders and us who are under leaders that we may or may not agree with. We just pray that at the heart of it all, we would seek your will to be done, your kingdom to come, your righteousness to reign, your name to be made great, and for many, by the millions, to come and become followers of Christ. Father, we love you, we praise you, we ask you to, again, just guide us, lead us, watch over us, and one day bring us home. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.